Blog Talk Radio. the Milford House Mysteries on the BookSpeak Network. I'm Sherry Knowlton. Um, I write the Alexa Williams Suspense Series, Dead of Autumn, Dead of Summer, Dead of Spring, and Dead of Winter. My newest, Dead on the Delta, uh, will be releasing in February. Hi, and I'm J.M. West. I write the Carlisle Crime Cases Series, Dying for Vengeance, Courting Down Darkness, Darkness at First Light, had a Dying Fall, featuring homicide detectives Christopher Snow and Aaron McCoy, all available on Kindle and bundled together for $11.96. My newest Carlisle crime case, Sing Strangled, was released last fall, and I just sent my historical novel to Sunbury Press, and I hope it will be available in the spring or summer of 2021. Well, the holidays have passed, and now we're ready to welcome 2021 at the Milford House Mysteries. Ironically, though, we're going to devote our first podcast of the year to a look back at 2020. Uh, Jody and I thought we'd spend today reflecting on some of the books that we read and enjoyed during the past year. Now, note that these books may not have been published in 2020 uh, on these uh, book shows. We always include brand new books by well-known and some not-so-well-known authors, uh, some oldies but goodies that we reread during the year, and um, some other books that may have been out for uh, a while, but we just finally got a chance to read them. And we believe we have about time for five books each during today's half-hour podcast, and we'll explain why we chose each one as a favorite perhaps commenting on the author's style, the plot, or more. And there aren't in any particular order or preference. The question, what's your favorite book, is tricky because it's also very subjective. As some prefer nonfiction, others fiction, and even subgenres. Like I know some people who only read uh, mysteries and some people who only read the, uh, the Christian Amish tales. Um, but we'll be sharing the five that we particularly enjoy. So let, let me leap right in. My first recommendation, Where the Crawdad Sings by Della Owens, which I read for book club. At first, you know, I questioned the thesis that an abandoned child could survive on her own, but the protagonist is no ordinary girl. As she grows and faces obstacles, first by being abandoned by family members, and then encountering accidents like stepping on a nail. She faces each crisis with a pluck and admirable courage. Kaya meets a boy, Tate, who teaches her about boating, the bio, fishing, you know, among other things. Owen switches back and forth between 1952 and 1969, past and present, for the characters. And as time passes, Kaya grows into an engaging young woman with interest mainly in nature and then sketching what she observes. 
the milieu in which she lives beyond civilization and is considered backward and an outsider by the townspeople, but is befriended by a man who trains her, gives her gas for her motorboat for her catch of the day, whether it's mussels, clams, or crawfish. And then as she becomes a young woman, she realizes that the most dangerous predator in mystery is man. Though the author includes more botanical detail than suits me, she steadily but slowly builds momentum, and the suspense in the novel progresses with very subtle foreshadowing clues. You have to read carefully, um, you know, for the patient author, I mean, for the patient reader, um, most of us, you know, do do that. But I, I don't want to ruin the story with spoilers, but I can, can't express how memorable this book is, except it educates, surprises, and offers social commentary on money, privilege, and justice. You know, it's interesting, Jody, that you start uh, with a book by Della Owens. When we were in uh, Southern Africa last year, uh, we heard some tales about her and her former husband who used to live in, I think, Zimbabwe, maybe Botswana, but I think it was Zimbabwe, um, and they were oh. wildlife researchers there. So, you know, mm. that might explain her focus on nature in this uh, book, which has been wildly best-selling, I believe. Yes, it has been. It's yeah. excellent. So, um for my first book, I really have to preface the conversation with a caveat. Um, like always, I, I read a ton of books in 2020 in many genres. And um, although I'd say, you know, a few fell well shy of outstanding. And I actually despised at least one of the more critically placed, <laughs> praised books, a <laughs> very long novel that I read. Um, most were that most of the books I read were very good books on their own terms. So it's really hard to select just a few for praise. But Jody and I did create this dilemma for ourselves when we chose today's podcast topic. So here we go. Um, I've read and enjoyed many of the books in Michael Stanley's Botswana-based Inspector Kubu series. So I was excited to read a new standalone Stanley novel, Shoot the Bastards, featuring uh, an American investigative journalist, Crystal Nguyen. When her friend Michael Davidson goes missing while researching a National Geographic story on rhino poaching and rhino horn smuggling, Nguyen heads to South Africa to try to find him and to finish his story. But within a week, she's hunting poachers, excuse me, um, being hunted by their bosses, and she's been arrested in connection with the murder. And everyone is, after a brief case full of money that she doesn't want but just can't get rid of safely, she can, comes to realize how little she knows about Africa and war between the poachers and the conservation officers. What she does know is that she's determined to find Michael uh, and that she's committed to preventing a planned major operation in South Africa to uh, secure a huge number of poached rhino horns. The plot takes Nguyen to Vietnam, back to South Africa, 
and all the while it keeps readers on the edge of their seats. Now, I really like the protagonist, Crystal Nian. She's one of those tough yet vulnerable female characters that can really carry a good suspense story. And I really liked a segment of the book when she went out at night into the African bush on foot with an anti-poaching team uh, and got into a really pretty crazy situation. Now, three fun facts related to Shoot the Bastards. One, the book has a different title in the U.K. and South Africa. I'm not sure why, um, but it's called Dead of Night, which almost sounds like one of my books, doesn't it? Um, mm-hmm. Two, <laughs> the author Michael Stanley uh, is really a writing team uh, of Michael Sears and Stanley Trollope. And three... Poaching in Africa is at the heart of my upcoming book, uh, Dead on the Delta. So I made sure not to read this book, Shoot the Bastards, until I'd sent my manuscript to the publisher because I didn't want to be influenced even subconsciously um, by another book uh, about poaching. Um, As it stands, um, when I read it, I found that my book and the Stanley book might deal with the same broad topic, but they're very different books, very different takes. So uh, what I recommend is that you try Shoot the Bastards by Michael Stanley for a very suspenseful read. You know, isn't it ironic that, there, that well, I can see parallels between uh, Shoot the Bastards and your own, you know, Death on the Delta, too. But yeah, my second book, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my second book that I would recommend highly is titled All the Devils Are Here by Louise Penny, my favorite mystery author. Armand Gamache, the chief inspector of the homicide in Quebec, Canada, this time travels to Paris uh, to visit with his, with his wife, rather, to visit his son and daughter and their families. Uh, the daughter is about to give birth. But first, he dines with his godfather, who's named Stephen, in Paris. Um, and Stephen's in Paris to meet the board of a company that he expo- tends to expose. Gamache thinks, oh, oh, excuse me. <laughs> Unfortunately, the man is the victim of a hit and run that police want to record as an accident. Gamache thinks his godfather was murdered, and he enlists the help of his son-in-law, who left the police force in Quebec for the office job in the very same company that um, Stephen was going to expose for misdeeds. Let let me just say that. Um, And because it paid twice as much as the police force and the family was expecting. The entire family is drawn into a twisted intrigue that approaches Agatha Christie with its red herrings and switchbacks. But what I like most are the puzzling paradoxes that Penny poses with her characters and and also the readers. Like when she says, all the devils are here, here. You know, get it? That they're here, right here, wherever we are. If you haven't read Penny, her mysteries are serial, meaning her characters evolve over time, as do most uh, serial authors. But I'd recommend starting with the first one, which is entitled Still Life, and then move through the 17 others in order. 
some more stellar than the others, but all deserving of time because they are provocative and entertaining with all the characters at one time or another sharing the stage with Gamache. Still Life is a delightful introduction to the village of Three Pines and its zany inhabitants and dark deeds and the newest being All the Devils Are Here. Okay, sounds interesting. Now, book two for me is a recent read, uh, The Girls of Bracken Hill by Kate Moretti. In many ways, I see uh, this book as a throwback to the gothic romances of Daphne du Maurier, Victoria Holt, and even the Bronte sisters. But at the same time, it's a very modern tale. When Hannah Maloney's aunt dies in a car accident, she returns to her family's castle in the Catskills. It's like this huge brooding mansion. Uh, and it's the episode epicenter of a childhood trauma, her sister's unsolved disappearance. This all happened 17 years ago, and uh, Hannah has never been back. Uh, and, and though she's desperate to start a new life with uh, a new fiancé, She's compelled to question the events of her last summer at Bracken Hill. When a human bone is found near the estate, Hannah becomes convinced it belongs to her long-lost sister. She launches an investigation into the magical summer that ended in a nightmare at Bracken Hill. And as strange happenings plague the mansion, Hannah uncovers disturbing details about the past, and startling realizations about her own repressed childhood memories. I thought Moretti did a, a wonderful job of combining romance, mystery, um, and unraveling family secrets. Uh, the, the crumbling mansion uh, setting had just the right level of creepiness. Uh, a couple times I had chills down my spine. Um, so I would recommend The Girls of Bracken Hill by Kate Moretti. You know, I love Rebecca, so that's one I might pick up next. But for yeah, me, a good one. Book, yeah, yeah. Uh, book number three is Giver of Stars by J.J. Moyes. She's author of the popular Me Before You series, but this is a historical novel. And not at first blush a mystery at all, um, depicting the adventures of the first pack horse librarians in Baileyville, Kentucky who delivered loaned books, magazines, and recipe scrapbooks to inhabitants of the Appalachian Hill people, many of whom cannot read. Five intrepid women, Alice, Beth, Izzy, Margie, and Penelope, are recruited to manage and maintain the library in the face of initial hostility from some of the townspeople. Uh, this is set in the 1940s, by the way, um, oh. and some of the men particularly, and the women too, did not want women riding horses and one donkey uh, and wearing breeches in order to deliver the books. And each woman faces personal dilemmas at home as well. English woman Alice has an aloof, frigid husband, and they live with his father, a widower, with old-fashioned ideas about a woman's role in the home and society. Beth has seven brothers. Imagine that. Izzy is being forced into her job by a domineering mother 
despite her daughter's age, which is 18, and her leg brace, uh, which is she has to wear from having you know, suffered from polio. Margie, the leader, seems the most daring and independent. And Penelope, an actual librarian, comes at night to put the catalog, the donations, and shelve them and repair the books. Um, and because she is a black woman, she comes at night to avoid the racist folks in town. Based on actual events, Giver of Stars does provide a view of the mountain people, the hardships and the dangers they face to survive. And many discover that the joy of reading can bring, despite their heart, stark, unforgiving landscape, the devastating environmental impact of strip mining, and despite the cruelty of some dangerous individuals that they encounter. And I'm aware of the controversy between The Giver of Stars and The Book Woman of Troublesome Creek by Kim Richardson, who accuses Moyes of plagiarism. But I've read both books, and I find the first book, The Giver of Stars, to be more endearing, has smoother prose, and differs primarily in that Moyes no, makes no mention whatever of The Blue Woman that features so prominently in Troublesome Creek. The second book is interesting, you know, but the characters and giver are more engaging to this reader. Or, you know, one could buy both books and give them as gifts. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, my third book to recommend is Percentages of Guilt by Michael Neiman. This international thriller takes series protagonist Valentin Vermeulen back to his home city of Antwerp to answer questions about an old criminal case he prosecuted when he worked there. This is Neiman's fifth book in the series that features Vermeulen, who is an investigator for the United Nations Office of Internal Oversight Services. While this might seem like a dry bureaucratic job, Vermeulen manages to land in tight spots and dangerous situations all over the globe. His trip home in percentages of guilt is no different. Author Michael Neiman skillfully weaves threads of past and present into a really compelling story where Vermeulen finds himself caught between three powerful men in what seems like a no-win situation. By the time he realizes that the echoes of his past investigation are actually warnings about the present, he's in considerable danger. As a fan of the Vermeulen books, I particularly like the way Percentages of Guilt gave the reader insight into Valentin's past and the family troubles that have been featured in previous books. So uh, what I'd say is if you like reluctant action heroes with analytical skills and a proclivity for dangerous situations, you'll enjoy Percentages of Guilt as much as I did. Hmm. Interesting. Um, my next book, American Dirt by Jean Cummings, Janine Cummings, opens with a shooting of a journalist and his family. The protagonist, Lydia, and her son join those fleeing in their lives, and who was his wife and son, in hopes of reaching the southern border of the United States for the chance of life, you know, to better themselves and their children. Besides being a political hot potato, the migrant issue in American Dirt conveys a 
very visceral journey on a personal level because it does humanize instead of just making numbers it, it humanizes this danger um, that is lurking in every single town Lydia and Luca meet two teenage sisters traveling by themselves so decide to join with them thinking safety in numbers but Lydia is paranoid for a good reason the cartel is following her to finish the job teach her a lesson or maybe for revenge. The book is a nail-biter, addressing a very controversial issue and carries an enormous emotional kick, a journey where the stakes are literally life and death, reflecting reality for so many uh, now, currently. I like this book because it's well-written, suspenseful, the danger omnipresent, and so well-versed, this author is so well-versed in her subject matter and the language and this one woman's particular dilemma, uh, her determination to live. You like uh, controversial books, Jody. I, I know that uh, yeah. this one had so much controversy about cultural appropriation when it first came out, and I thought that it all died down, but just the other day a friend said her book club is in an all-out war about whether or not they should read it because of the whole cultural appropriation issues. So I guess it's yeah. not totally gone. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's still it's still uh, controversial, but I don't like it, you know, any the less for that. I think yeah. she does a really, uh, she also does a really as good as job. A, yeah, as a book, as a read, right. Yes, yeah. as, right, right. Okay, well, I'm not – Making a value judgment, I'm just remarking. Uh, One of my favorite authors, um, once again, a two-man writing team, Preston is Preston and Childs. I'm a huge fan of their books featuring, let's call them unique, FBI agent Aloysius Pendergast. Crooked River is book 19 in the Pendergast series, and it doesn't disappoint. Uh, It takes place in the quiet resort town of Sanibel Island in Florida and begins with dozens of identical-looking ordinary shoes washing up on the tropic. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. (laughs) Um, But each one has a a crudely severed human foot inside these these shoes that wash up on the beach. So he's Called away from vacation elsewhere in the state, Agent Pendergast reluctantly agrees to visit the crime scheme scene. Excuse me, and despite himself, is quickly drawn into this uh, puzzle. Uh, an early pathology report uh, only adds to the mystery, and with an ocean of possibilities confronting the investigation, no one's sure what happened, why, or where the feet came from. And they desperately need to know, are the victims attached uh, who those foot, uh, these feet and shoes came from still alive? Uh, in oh. short order, Pendergast finds himself facing one of the most complex and inexplicable challenges of his career. Um, and it's a tangled thread that spans seas and traverses continents. Um, and it's connected to one of the most baffling mysteries in modern medical science. So I I like Crooked River because I like all Pendergast books, 
Um, but it has all the hallmarks that draw in Pendergast fans. The wealthy FBI agent with the old money heirs and training in the Eastern arts. He's in trouble with his bosses, of course. Um, they abhor his go-alone brilliance, uh, no matter how effective he is for the FBI. His mysterious ward is uh, in the book, Constance Green, uh, who has an otherworldly aura. Uh, and, of course, they managed to rent the only available aging mansion in Sanibel uh, while he solves the mystery. Um, I'd recommend Crooked River and actually the entire Preston and Child's Pendergast series. It's one of my favorite, um, as I said, favorite authors and favorite series. That does sound intriguing. Are they serial in nature, too? Yeah, they are. I mean, you know, going back to the beginning and starting would be good, but uh, you can pick anyone up as well and start to read it. Mm -hmm. I apologize for interrupting. My dog got stuck. (laughs) (laughs) My my book five choice is actually a true crime study and the profile of the the Golden State Killer. I'll be gone in the dark by Michelle McNamara Oswald. And there's also an in-depth HBO documentary series on the author and the book, which is narrated by the widower and comedian Patton Oswald. The author becomes obsessed with a rapist roaming California, first stalking and preying women that he knows will be alone at night. Over the course of 30 years, This animal roamed, raping and killing women and then couples with impunity while the doctors, detectives in separate vicinities were unable to track him down or even make connections among the different uh, killings because of a lack of evidence. So McNamara begins, that summer night I hunted the serial killer from my daughter's playroom. And after her husband and daughter go to sleep, McNamara would boot up her computer and research every little detail, even tracking down these initial cufflinks that weren't really evidence, but they had belonged to a victim that the killer stole and then sold them uh, to a pawn shop. McNamara travels to the rape and kill sites, interviews police, and with her assistant, pours over 30 boxes of evidence and spends her time studying the killer, providing a detailed and prescient profile, indicating that he would eventually be caught based on DNA, and that would expose the Golden State Killer. This is a very gritty book that provides grisly details of her personal quest, uh, I might even say obsession, to find him. So it's not for the faint of heart. She shares, also shares her own past and has its dark moments. But her life with comedian Patton is equally poignant and compelling. And she includes these bits and pieces in the book. But I don't want to spoil the story, so I won't go into detail about the book's findings. But for me, McNamara's account is unusual in that, one, journalists don't put themselves into their stories. They try to stay objective. But in her inclusion of her personal feelings, that's what makes the book so compelling. For fans of true crime, this would be an excellent choice. Hmm. Yeah, I've read a little bit about that, but I haven't actually read the book. 
Oh, so it's, yeah, talk about chills and sp- up your spine. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. Mhm. For my fifth book, uh, I'm going to talk about. Well, I think I'm going to take break the rules a little bit uh, and talk about not just a single book, but an entire series that I discovered in 2020. Uh, Robert Craze, Elvis Cole, and Joe Pike Mysteries. The first Craze book that I read, Lullaby Tom, was one published many, many years ago, I think like 1987 or something. Um, and it was one of the first in a series that now numbers 18. Um, I've now gone, well, I've now gone back to the beginning uh, and I'm working my way forward. But so far, Craze work reminds me of Dashiell Hammett or John D. McDonald's Travis McGee series. For those of you who listen to this podcast regularly, you'll know that John D. McDonald <laughs> is my literary hero. So it's not surprising that I instantly connected with Craze protagonist, private detective Elvis Cole, and his man of few words uh, but amazing action uh, sidekick, Joe Pike. The story of Lullaby Town um, involves a Hollywood producer, a missing wife, and the mob, but the noir feel of the books is as important to me as the plot. Uh, I've read that Craze actually recommends his later books, saying that they've evolved to become more nuanced and complex, and I'm looking forward to reading them in due course. But right now I'm enjoying the slow journey through Cole and Pike's adventures over time. I think his very first book is called The Monkey's Raincoat, uh, and the most recent, from 2019, is A Dangerous Man. So uh, if you're a fan of noir, modern noir, uh, try Robert Craze. And I guess we're just about out of time, uh, so thanks for listening. We obviously could have talked about many, many more books, uh, but these are ten uh, that you might want to take a look at. Well, and I just finished reading Deborah Cromery's A Bitter Feast, which is another fascinating whodunit featuring Gemma James and Duncan Kincaid. And again, oh. I recommend reading her series in order. Well, she has 17 books too. Uh, but in closing... We encourage everybody to try new authors. Yes, we all know and love it when our latest, you know, the latest comes from our favorite authors and hits the bookshelves. But you might find new favorites when you try new authors who are equally deserving of reading. Well, it looks like that we, um, the hour is running, the half hour is running short. So uh, we'd love to hear from our listeners about some of your favorite books in, that you read in 2020. So contact us on Facebook or Twitter. And a reminder to all you readers, our books are available at Sunbury Press's online bookstore, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other online retailers and bookstores. And special thanks to all of you who are listening for the Milford House Mysteries. You, we hope you enjoyed our program. Our next program will be on January 28th at 2.30 p.m. My guest will be my co-host, author Sherry Knowlton, whose Alexa Prime suspense novel, Dead on the Delta, is scheduled to be released next month. In the meantime, um, you can follow us on social media. 
I'm on the web at www.sherrynolton.com, plus Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And I'm on facebook.com, slash Carlisle Crime Cases by J.M. West. And my website is www.carlislecrimecases.com. So until next time. Thanks for listening. We hope you tune in um, for our next show. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.